0: You are listening to the Riverside Community Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Thank you podcast listeners. If you're listening, we wish you were here, but since you aren't here, I want to at least show you that everyone that is here cares about you. So let's give it up a round of applause for those listening on podcast. Thank you. I hope you feel loved. We do love you, Um, and we've come to a great place at Riverside. We're starting a new sermon series called "Home Stretch: Finishing the Journey of Faith." And if you don't know me, my name is Mike Evans, and I kind of work with the young adults here at the church and also the student ministry and. Uh, shout out here if you're between the ages of 18 and 35 tuesday nights, seven o'clock in this building we meet just in there and we have an awesome community of young adults who get together and it's really turning into something so awesome so if you are within those ages and please come and hang out with us because it's it's been awesome on tuesday nights so there's your formal invitation please come it's awesome Home stretch, finishing the journey of faith. So whenever you hear the terms or whenever we hear the terms faith, I think we tend to kind of think Christian faith. That's faith. We're talking about finishing the journey of the Christian faith. But really, every journey a person is on is a journey of faith, whether you believe in God or not. You have in your mind and I have in my mind the best way to live the best life available to us. And, and to see that journey through is really a journey of faith. So this sermon series is about how to finish the journey well, how to finish it ultimately in life. The Bible makes a pretty serious claim about what that journey looks like, and it answers a question that all of us as people really ask and need to know. It's a a pressing question. How should we live our lives? What's the way that's going to lead to the best destination? And the Bible has a very clear-cut answer as it answers that question it has a clear-cut answer to that question that we as people have everyone has that kind of a question and we as people we like clarity I like clarity you like clarity sometimes when things get confusing you're just like all right cut all the stuff out all the mess just give me the concentrated. just give me exactly what I need to hear tell me exactly what it is and today we're going to hear exactly what it is because we're going to be looking in the book of Hebrews, which I'm awesomely just so excited about. This whole sermon series, we're going to be looking into the book of Hebrews. So if you have your your Bible, excuse me, with you, then you can turn and open to the book of Hebrews. But we as people, we like clarity. We like clarity. We like just cut all the the crud and let's just get down to it. Let's get to it. And that's actually how I operate too, as a person. And and. And I'm going to tell you a story here. I don't want you to judge me. It's going to be quick. But I'm now married, which is cool. That's the start of the story. I got married about a month ago on the 29th of May. We got married. And that's my wife, Lauren. There she is. That's right. I got her permission to tell this story. So this is all about how we as people, we want clarity. Especially I want clarity. I don't want to, I don't want to play any games. I want to know. I want to know the truth. So we were on our first date. And we first went to... Chili's. Yeah. <laughs> went to Chili's and we went, we, Doug, did you hear that? I went to Chili's. That's it great. It's a good place. Uh, tough group. So I was there with my brother-in-law and sister. We went to Chili's and then we went to Oakland and we went to Dave and Andy's ice cream place. You know, top-notch ice cream, by the way. If you haven't been to Dave and Andy's in Oakland, get there. Delicious. We got our drinks are, Oh, well, I got a milkshake, so that's kind of like a drink. She got her ice cream, and we went to this nice area where there are these benches, and we can sit. It's all romantic. It's great. I ruined it, and I'll tell you why, because, yeah, listen, girls, man, ladies, as a guy, sometimes you guys have, like, this ability to play with our hearts, you know, and just a guy needs some clarity. If you're in high school, you know what I'm talking about. If you're in college, You probably know what I'm talking about. But I just needed clarity. So I looked at her, and I was like, this is literally right before we're about to start eating our ice cream. I was like, I have got to know, do you like me? Like, do you want a date? Is this a date? Like, what are we doing? Is this? Do you like me? I said it just like that. It literally ruined everything. And she's a good sport, and she kind of looked at me, and she was like, well, yeah. I was like, but I quick rebounded and was like, I like you too. Like, I really wanted a I just needed to make sure. And I wanted to explain to myself that I need clarity. I want, we as people, we want clarity. We want the, the, we just want the answer. Just tell us. In the Bible, the Hebrews, it gives an answer. And the thing is, it had Lauren said no, I would have been crushed, obviously. It's not what I wanted to hear. And similarly with the Bible, it's going to make a very, very bold claim. The writer of Hebrews is going to make a very bold claim to what the journey of, uh, the, th- the journey of faith is worth, like which, which journey is worth going on, which one's going to lead ultimately to life and to our well-being. So usually people either accept it and they realize that, wow, this is, this is the best way, or people end up having a very cold response to it, and they end up going the other way, and they, and they kind of go negatively, pretty aggressively against but the writer of Hebrews, one, we don't know who that writer is. I could have probably maybe impress you by saying maybe it's Apollos or Barnabas or Paul, but it was written sometime in the years AD 66 through 70, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, which I am, so I hope some of you are too. It's written to a people who I think we can identify with, everyone in this room, whether you're a believer or not, because they were, it was written, the letter, it's a letter. The book of Hebrews is actually a letter written to a people. Jewish Christians who lived in an urban context, and they lived within a melting pot society where there were all kinds of philosophies and journeys of faith, different ways that people thought that life should be lived. And so this speaks exactly to Christians who are living in that kind of society. It sounds like America, doesn't it? Where there's all kinds of beliefs and philosophies and melting pot of all ideas and all kinds of things. And these Christians, they have been given a specific way. It's very specific in the midst of all the ideas. It's a very specific way that they are to live. And they're going through all kinds of persecution and hard times. And the whole of the book of Hebrews is really written to a Christian people to say, you can finish the journey of faith strong if you just stay, stay on Jesus. Just stay on Jesus. So that's kind of the whole of the book, but he goes really into it and and gives us that clear answer. How do we get to the journey of faith that's going to lead to life? What is it? Who is it? And we get it right in the beginning of Hebrews. So if you would with me turn to Hebrews chapter 1. If you have version, you can open that up. I'm going to be preaching out of the NIV. So free, feel free to follow along. If you need a Bible, someone can grab one for you in the back. But let's, let's dig into this here. In the past, this is starting at verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. In the past, there were some ways. There was a way in the past. Now, I've got to give you a quick i got to get, get you up to speed here because we've got to cover like a ton of history here. I'm going to do it in like two seconds. Um, so the whole Bible starts at the beginning with God creating this whole good world and everyone's good in it. And then man kind of, there's God's way which leads to life. And then there's man who ends up going his own way. And he, and he goes to a different kind of way. And when that happened, it, it separated man from God and it put him in a, bad relationship with God, which is really getting him off of the path. If you're not connected with God, then you're really off of the path. You're not connected to the journey of faith, which is going to ultimately lead you in life. So when that happened, God, he still was good, and he still is good, and is still loving. So what he did was he gave the people who were away from God, a way to get connected back to him through what's called the law. And I love the way that Galatians 3.19 says it, especially in the message paraphrase, says that it helped a sinful people stay in the way of salvation. So it really, it helped affect everyone's lives, this law. It helped them connect back to God in ways by showing them how they should live. If you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, if you're a believer or not a believer or a follower, however you want to title it, you would probably know what the Ten Commandments are, or have at least heard of them. So the Ten Commandments were a way that the people could relate to God and live a holy kind of a life. When they couldn't do it because they couldn't do it, then there were there's a whole slew of ways that they were to kind of pay for that, not being able to follow the law because it... If you don't follow the law of God, if you don't stay up to his standard, then the Bible says you you have to die. So then they would have animal sacrifices, things that were much more common in other contexts and times than now, so it sounds very, very strange to us. But that was a way, and it was a way that was good to God and, and acceptable. And in and this way of life, this law, that was kind of put forth by the prophets and all of these things that are said in this verse, they they all pointed and they were all good insofar as they found their completion in Jesus. And this way of life, this law, affected every single area of life. There were uh, dietary laws, there were certain ways that they needed to dress, certain uh, festivals they had, to, they had to adhere to, they had to live up to certain codes, laws, they had to do all of these things. And when they couldn't do it, then there would be the sacrifice that would say, it's okay. It's okay. But it's only okay insofar as it pointed to Jesus. So if you take Jesus out of the equation, in a journey of faith, in a way of living, if you take Jesus out of the equation, then all of the weight then becomes on your shoulders to live a life that is good, that is meaningful, that is ultimately going to live to life. And every single time, the Bible says, shoulder-bearing faith leads to death. Shoulder-bearing faith leads to death. It was true of Judaism in the past had there not been any Jesus. It is true of us who find our self-worth in our journeys of faith, our ways of living that say the best way for me is to find my self-worth in things, in my work, in my family, in doing these things, finding my acceptance with these people. If Jesus is removed from the equation, the Bible says, the Hebrew is saying, then it's shoulder-bearing faith and that will lead to death. But then it doesn't just leave it there, which I love. Because anytime, time, and we got a good little chuckle out of this because we're all immature in first service, there's a but. Whenever you come, see that? But. Whenever you come to a point in Scripture, this is a good Bible reading technique, you come to a point in Scripture where you do the digging, you do the research, you look at it and you read and you find yourself in a pretty bad place. Like, okay, if it stays and stops there, then I ought to... Uh, be grieving. Get excited when you see a butt. I said first of, all, I don't know if it's appropriate. I'm a butt man I' it's inappropriate, super inappropriate. But anytime you come across a butt, it's a good thing in the scriptures. But in these last days, the scripture goes on to say. He, Jesus, God, has spoken to us. God has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom also He made the universe. The words last days here, very, very important and very, very exciting for those of us who find ourselves in a place of of shoulder-bearing faith. Let me ask you the question directly, where are you at in your journey of faith? Is Jesus a huge component, the component, the primary component of your faith? Or are you here today, and you are in a place where you are going your own way? And you're shoulder-bearing it all. There's a but. In these last days, you see, the last days, oh, that's very important, those two words, last days. Last days represents the time from which Jesus rose from the dead and conquered and did exactly what what he came to do until the end of human history, as we know it. So the last days are today. Which means that this is applicable to everyone sitting in this room and someone standing on this stage. It is applicable even today. These are the last days He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom also He made the universe. Jesus' way is the final, only, exclusive way way. There is no other way. From now until the end of human time, there is no other way you can find a journey of faith that's going to lead to life. There is no other way but Jesus' way. It's exclusive. And it hurts us to hear it sometimes, I think, in our American culture, because similar to the context in which this was written to the people in which it was written, we live in a society, we live in a culture, we live in a country where there are many ways. And it's super taboo these days to say any way is better than another. But here you have in the face of all of that a very bold statement. Jesus' way is final, only, exclusive way. And he is not to be put on a shelf with other ways. He is not to be put on a shelf with other various ways that you have heard of. There is no other way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am. Very narrow. He said, broad is the way to destruction. Narrow is the way to life. I am life. Jesus' way is final, only, and exclusive. Jesus. It's hard. It's hard to take. It's hard to take, especially if you're in this place and you're you're sitting there thinking, this is exactly what is wrong with Christianity. This is exactly what is wrong. It's only wrong if Jesus' way is not the best way. It's only wrong if Jesus' way does not lead to eternal life. Which then begs the question, you're sitting in the chair. Jesus makes this kind of exclusive statement, what are his credentials? Who's he to say? Who's he to say he's the way? I could stand up and say on the way, who's to say? Scripture goes on. Oh, I love this. I want to read to you one of the most outrageous statements in the Bible. Outrageous in its claim, outrageous in its mercy, outrageous in its love. It is an outrageous statement. i got to read this to you. It's too good. What are his credentials? How can he make this kind of a statement? Jesus, Hebrews says, the sun, in verse 3, the sun is the radiance. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. You need to understand how outrageous how outrageous of a statement and claim this is because you need if Jesus this is saying Jesus came as God's glory. You need to understand something about God's glory In the Old Testament, God's glory manifested itself in pillars of fire during the night and and clouds during the day. People would defecate themselves, (laughs) would mess themselves whenever God's glory came on on the spot because it is so mighty, so overwhelming. In fact, Moses, who even if you don't believe in God or you do believe in God, you know who Moses is or have at least have heard who he is. He had gone up a mountain and he wanted to see God and God said, I need to shield you because if you see me, you will drop over dead. I am that good, I am that glorious. So he shielded him and his face was literally radiating so everyone would see when they looked at him. Man, he saw the backside of the, the Lord. He couldn't even see him in his full glory. Yet you have here in Scripture, Jesus who is fully God and fully man, fully encompassed. All of God's glory. And he lived among us. Jesus is fully God and fully man. He can do what he wants. And that's good news this morning. It's good news this morning. What are his credentials? He was fully God and fully man. So he can say to you that I came to offer a different way. A way to life. A way that is not on your own shoulders but is on my shoulders. Then that is why he came. He came for one reason, to create a way to life when people were headed towards death, the shoulder-bearing faith. You see, we as people, we have this tendency to go our own ways of faith. We think what's, we know what's best for ourselves. I thought I knew what's best for myself. I'm not just preaching down to you. I live in the greatest reality of this truth. My way leads to death on my own. I cannot bear the weight of let alone my own expectation, let alone an infinitely holy and good God's. It's even worse because the Bible says when you do go your own way, when that, when that gulf is created, when you go your own way and try to find health that way on your own and goodness and life on your own, as opposed to God's, that way is called sin. It's sinfulness. And when you go your own way versus God, then the penalty, the Bible says, of that is death. It is death. It is a physical death. It is also a spiritual death. Separated from God, the Creator, sustainer of all that is good and lovely and meant to be for you as a flourishing human being. You know what caused Jesus, you know what caused God in all of His glory and all of His goodness and all of His splendor to come fully God and fully man so He could relate to you and I? It was a love to remove that which is in the way of us getting back to that way of life. Back to that journey of faith that is going to lead to life and life everlasting. The Bible says the penalty of that sin is death. Jesus came and he died on a cross and he took care of the barrier. He took care of that thing which is in the way of us getting back to the journey that is going to lead to life. Back to God himself. He took care of it. He made a way. And i got to tell you the next part of this Hebrews because it's just incredible. That's why he came. That's the gospel, which is titled Good News. It's good news when you are on a way of death and then you end up going back to the way of life because of what Jesus has done. The good news keeps coming. After he had provided purification for sins, when he came down and died the death that we were to die and he took care of that sin problem, rising from the dead, conquering sin, saying that when you put your faith in me, you are now reconnected to me, and now you are back on course to walk in the way that is going to lead you to life. The journey of faith, a home stretch worth walking, worth running, sprinting. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. This is good news. It has to do with the last days, because after a long day's work, You sit down, you're done. It's done. He says, my way is sufficient. My way is final. My way is exclusive. There's nothing else that needs to be done. All you have to do is put your faith in me. It is done. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And I love the scripture because when we mess up, and we will mess up, whether you're a lifelong Christian or you're just starting out or you don't, you will mess up. And the Bible says when he's seated at the right hand of the Father, he completed his work, which is sufficient, where God looks on his goodness, where God looks on Jesus' work on the cross, the substitutionary death. He looks at that and says, it is sufficient. And when you mess up, Jesus says, nope, nope, I took care of that. He's sitting down. He's comfortable. It's done. I took care of that problem. He just meant, yep, yep, he deserves death. I I died that death. I died his death there. I died his death there. There, there, I died it. And he's interceding for us. What a good God. What a good God that he would take it upon himself to help us get back to a way of life. Romans 8, 34, he intercedes for us when we mess up. Hebrews 1, 4, so he became as much superior to the angels Jesus, as the name he has inherited, is superior to theirs. When you think angels, don't think heavenly-winged creatures as much as you think of messengers of God who were, again, preaching an old way, the law. God's new way is completely different, and this theme will be unpacked more in the coming weeks with um, unpacking Jesus' role as high priest. That there is a new way. You have heard from the angels, the messengers of God, that you are to do X, Y, and Z to get in good graces with him. Jesus came, and his way is the last and final exclusive way. All you are to do is trust in him. All you are to do is to focus on him. And in fact, I love this word, superior. You've got to understand this word, superior. Because it is also the, he- the writer of Hebrews' favorite word, he uses it 13 times in the Greek language. That word superior. So he, Jesus, became as much superior, he became superior. You know what that translation of the word superior is? It's better. You want something deep and theological? Something that the writers of Scripture were really, really focused on and content with focusing on? It's this phrase. Jesus is better. Jesus is Better. we have this desire this propensity to go our own way when available to us is Jesus' way and His way is better so what? His way is better He has the credentials He says His way is better so now what? what do we do? Hebrews 2 1 says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Christian, this is important. It's important for us. It's important if you're not a believer here in this place. The words most careful attention actually even goes as strong as suggest the word obsession. We must obsess, therefore, to what we have heard. We, miss, we must obsess over Jesus. We must pay the most careful attention to this Jesus. We have to stay focused on Jesus. You cannot graduate, Christian, past the gospel, past Jesus The Bible doesn't say we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have learned so that we might not drift away or that we could drift away. It's so that you do not drift away, suggesting that if you do take your eyes off of Jesus, then you will drift back to a way of shoulder-bearing faith and it will crush you, it will lead to death. This is good news. Because if we stay focused on Jesus, if we keep our gaze on Him, we can remain in life and on the journey of faith which will lead to life, which is God Himself. So the command is stay fixated on Jesus. We must be content, church, to hear, if we hear nothing else from a platform or from a. a An exploration from the scriptures that we need Jesus and what he did for us. We need nothing else. We need Jesus and him and him crucified. Paul said, I wish to know nothing but Jesus and him crucified. He is sufficient. He is enough. Therefore, we should stay fixated on Jesus. Jesus. In the midst of a tumultuous culture, we must stay fixated on Jesus. In the midst of popular opinion, we must stay fixated on Jesus. In the midst of chaotic emotion, we must stay fixated on Jesus. Jesus is better. Come on, is someone living? (laughs) I get like messed up. It's so good. I don't mean to be like that stereotypical guy who's like yelling. Just get excited about it. Jesus is better. If we should leave here with nothing, we should hear that Jesus is better. It's the whole of Scripture. It's the whole of the book of Hebrews. The key to staying on path, a journey which is focused on Jesus, is a life that is going to end in life and life everlasting. So if you're in this place and you call yourself a a believer in Jesus My commission to you is the same as the writer of Hebrews, to stay fixated on Jesus. He is better. He is not to be put on a shelf with other beliefs and fleeting emotions. He is everything or he is nothing. He is to be fully embraced or he is to be fully discarded. He is either the Son of God or he is a crazy man. He is Jesus and he is the Son of God. He is better. Therefore, we should stay focused on him and fixated on him. Jesus is better. He's better. If you're in this place, and I want to invite the worship team to come on up because we're going to respond this morning because I hope that today, I don't know where you came from this week, what your week was like, but I think we all need to ask ourselves the question, do we tend towards the way of going our own way? Are we taking Jesus and are we watering him down to to something that is not him at all? Are we putting him on the shelf with our own emotion and beliefs? One of my favorite parts in Scripture one of my favorite responses in Scripture, there was this guy named Peter in, in the book of John who was hanging out with Jesus. And Jesus had this tendency to say things that kind of brushed people the wrong way and they would just leave. And so he said something difficult where within, within himself, Peter, everything within a human being would say, man, this doesn't make quite sense. But Peter knew Jesus. And even though his emotions were were maybe pointing him and pulling him another direction, just like it was for so many other people who left him. Jesus looked to Peter after he said this difficult thing, a thing that was hard to take, maybe that's something that was counterintuitive to him, something that was counteremotional to him. He said, are you going to leave too, Peter? And I love Jesus's, or Peter's response. He looks to Jesus and says, to whom shall I go? In effect, he was looking at Jesus and saying, you are better. Jesus is better. So Christian, can we not live our lives in a way that puts Jesus on the shelf with every other thing that we feel? And can we focus on Jesus as being who he says he is, the way, the truth, and the life, the narrow way, the way that we ought to go? He is better. He is deserving of our attention and affection, the glory that is due to His name. And the greatest thing is, it is what is best for us, is to put Jesus in that place of ultimate authority in our lives, Christians. Stay fixated on Jesus. Jesus is better. If you're in this place and you don't call on Jesus as your Savior, I want to invite you the way to life, a journey of faith where you can step confidently onto that path and confidently know that the end destination will be the best thing for you. That way is available to you and His name is Jesus. He did something for you that is completed He's sitting just waiting for you to recognize what he has done for you. All you have to do is look to Jesus and say, Jesus, I cannot be going on my own way. I recognize it will lead to death. I recognize that I am deservingly apart from you, but I also recognize that you died on a cross, paid my death for me. I am looking to you as my Savior. I I recognize that you rose from the dead conquering this thing, what the Bible calls sin. Therefore, I am putting my trust in you. And just like that, is the journey, the best journey of your life, a journey of faith that's actually going to lead you to the destination that we as people were all meant to end up, which is in relationship with our Savior and Creator. All you have to do is cry out to him, even as we respond and sing. If you would close your eyes and say nothing, but God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I need to be connected to you, man. He becomes your everything, and you are now on this path. And welcome to the greatest journey of your life. Christian, we've got to stay fixated on Jesus. He is better. When life gets difficult, when things are said by Jesus where it's hard to take, can we look at him and say, to whom else shall we go? To respond in that manner is to look at Jesus rightly, and is to describe and to say to him what he ought to hear, the biggest and greatest truth of the universe, Jesus is better. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for giving us a way that is, a way that will lead to life as opposed to death. A life that will lead to goodness as opposed to shortcomings. Jesus, thank you for taking care of the biggest problem we have as people. Our sin problem. Our tendency to go our own way over yours. Jesus, we recognize that you're... Your way is the exclusive way. It's the only way. That you are the Son of God who lived on earth as as fully God and fully man, who died sufficiently for the sin problem of the world. You rose again, and for that we thank you, Jesus. We recognize that you are better. You are better, Jesus. And I pray that that truth, your truth, you as truth, would become real in everyone's lives in this place. And even more in my own. I want more of you, Jesus. We want more of you. We can't get enough. In your name we pray. Amen. If you could stay seated here, I want to encourage you to take a time to reflect. Focus on Jesus. Focus on the areas in your life that maybe you have gone your own way as opposed to God's. We're going to have the communion elements distributed, and feel free to take that and just hang on to those. Because I can't think of a better way to end a day like today but to take communion together. So we're going to take those together as we sit in a posture of worship. Let's, let's respond this morning. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.